0: This is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to the Bible as Literature Podcast. Regurgitate. To throw up or vomit. To eject what has previously been swallowed. To repeat verbatim. Unless you happen to be Jonah, it's not an exciting prospect and even then not preferable. But beginning with Ezekiel, the father of scripture. It's the DNA of the biblical text. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. He did not say, Son of man, ignore what I just told you. Go outside and make hand gestures to the people. Sorry, Zacharias you reap what you sow. Richard and I discuss the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 59 to 63.
1: You're listening to the Bible as Literature.
0: This is Father Mark Bulos,
1: And this is Dr. Richard Benton.
0: And you are listening to episode 447 of the Bible as Literature podcast. How many times have I given the example of a movie theater to explain how useless images are, frankly, how useless symbols are? People get excited about symbols because they carry meaning, Father Mark. No, they don't carry meaning. You project meaning on symbols. And if you want to argue with me, stop listening to the podcast and go back and rehear Matthew, I don't know, six, seven thousand times. Rehear the Sermon on the Mount, especially the part about the eye being the lamp of the body. The whole world is your projector screen. Symbols do not carry meaning. If you go to a movie theater and they turn off the sound, You cannot understand what is happening in the movie. You might understand some primal images. We don't have to go in describe what those are some base images, but beyond that, you cannot understand the plot. You will not walk away understanding what the author of the film was saying, because there's no sound. There are no words. The author, with his or her pen, and the words they inscribe, the author controls the story. When Zacharias, at the beginning of Luke, stands up to say whatever the heck he wants to say, he is imposing his lies in the place of God's story, which is why God shut his mouth and reduced him to making muppet gestures in front of the temple. And that brings us, Richard, verse 59 of chapter
1: one the way that language works in the story we have words and they fit in their own context and in their own syntax when we understand the words of scripture we have to understand first of all what they mean within scripture now we can go outside of scripture to understand what these words mean elsewhere which is much easier to do in greek than it is in hebrew But even if we go to see that such-and-such a word means something in Greek literature, when we come back to the Bible, we still have to submit to the context and the syntax of the Bible, because this is the text that we're working in. Words have meaning in a society but an author uses those words to tell a story. There's always this give and take. In Scripture, the reference point is the story, is the context, is the syntax of Scripture. In this first chapter, Father, we were discussing a lot about how Zechariah is trying to communicate with the people, and the people are trying to communicate with Zechariah, and the angel tries to communicate, all that sort of thing. The only one who's been good at communicating so far is the angel, which is the messenger of the Lord, which means that's his job. (laughs) He communicates the word of the Lord to individuals as needed by the Lord. This whole mechanism of communication is being kind of tossed around in this chapter with the understanding that the word of the lord is what is foundational is referential that is what we have to refer to when zacharias wants to open his mouth it's his story it's his word the only time when it isn't is when he's quoting from the lord and that's the same with us but in the story It's Zacharias who is told, who is forced, to not speak.
0: Zacharias was indeed not allowed to speak, and in the place of speaking, he started using signs. At least that's how it's translated here in English. He started making signs. I cracked a joke about Muppet gestures. The point is, symbols, signs, images. It's a broader theme in the biblical text. Do not convey meaning. Statues in Rome do not convey meaning. They express the hubris of human civilization, but they do not convey meaning. Go back and rehear Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We can't add anything to what's already there. We make monuments because we think we can add something, but we're just rearranging the mud. The only thing that is incremental to the mud in which we find ourselves is the words of God which the angel brings. So Zacharias, because he was disobedient to those words, he did not submit. Submission to those words is the alpha and the omega of the biblical teaching, and Zacharias did not submit, so Luke literally brought down the house before our ears. And in his refusal to submit, Zacharias became a useless priest who, instead of teaching the words of God, taught hand puppet gestures— signs and by extrapolation i'm saying symbols pictures images movies without a soundtrack whatever it doesn't matter you can't mime the words of god it doesn't work and so his blah blah is what was ultimately communicated to the people which is useless. And that's where we find ourselves. And it happened that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. Big mistake. I don't need verse 60 to know it's a big mistake because we already learned from Luke that Zacharias was canceled. Why would you name him after Zacharias? We talk sometimes, Richard, about things that make sense to common sense in scripture and things that conflict with everyday common sense. Anyone with everyday common sense, if they're paying attention, would say, Why would you name him after this guy when he was obviously a failure, according to the story?
1: So, normally, you know, they would name the child after the father, and we would expect the people to want to do that sort of thing. But, We already see that Zacharias, the priest, is not the hero here, and it doesn't have a great reputation because we know what happened. So the people don't know what happened in the temple. We do know. We know what conversation went down as the hearers of the text. And that's one of the cool things I like about literature, and the Bible is literature. You know, Job doesn't know the conversation that God and Satan had, but we do. And the people in the story don't know the conversation that zecharias and the angel had but we do and so we're privy to why this is a problem that the people are doing this but the people in the story aren't privy to it the literature works so well matthew 25 does the same thing like we all know that you know the reason why there are sheep and there are goats is because some took care of the poor and some didn't but even the people in the story said when did we do that Biblical literature is always doing this. It's playing with the point of view. So the people in the story are silly, but the only reason we know they're silly is because we have information that people in the story don't have. And I just love the way that literature works that way, that it can use the way that we see things, the way that we hear things more specifically, so that we easily Pass judgment over these people who are silly, who are doing the wrong thing, but it's only because they don't know. It's fascinating how the author of Luke is doing this. Yes, they want to name him, the Lord is a man, the Lord is masculine, that's what Zechariah means, and that's the normal thing that they would want to do, but we will see that it's problematic because there are other things that the Lord is trying to do with this whole episode.
0: But his mother answered and said, no, indeed, but he shall be called John. Why? Because she is submitting to the instruction. She is being obedient. She remembers the words of the Lord that his name shall be called John. It's as simple as that. It doesn't require a theology term paper. And after years and years of ministry, Richard, I can say emphatically that this is not only unpopular in Western culture, I dare say it's impossible for Westerners to accept this aspect of the biblical teaching, that there are some things that are not up for debate. And it is the debate wanting to rehash and discuss something that is literally a directive. It's a zero or a one, obey or disobey. That lack of oxygen leaves no room for our ego. In a way, the text in its emasculation of patriarchy is using the fact that Elizabeth is obedient, which is the very thing that people don't value in this society. That is the very thing that makes Elizabeth valuable as a community here. She's doing what she was instructed to do, which was expected also of the patriarch, who wants to elevate his line, and the people want to elevate his line, and because he was not obedient, he's being canceled. Because there is only one patriarch whose throne is in the heavens, and sometimes he functions as a mother, most of the time he functions as a stern father, and it has nothing to do with gender, because the human being in Scripture is the problem. Please reread Genesis chapter 6.
1: Somehow, Zacharias conveyed that the name would have to be John, and yes, it's fascinating how Elizabeth is going against convention without a thought, without a word, without trying to convince the people. She simply says, his name's John. That's it. He's going to be called John. There is no discussion. She doesn't discuss. It is straight obedience. Now, the people are going to come back and they're going to want to argue, but she's got nothing more to say. Somehow, Zecharias conveyed this to her. I don't know. That's something we don't know as the reader, as opposed to the other things. He was able to convey this to her. Great. This is the important thing. The other thing that's important is that the meaning of the word John is the Lord has grace upon the people. Whenever you lift up someone's face in compassion, in mercy, To look upon their face means that you are granting them this grace. This is what the Word is. So not only is she going against convention, but the name that she's insisting on is about the Lord showing grace. This is where we begin, where the priest no longer speaks, only the Word of the Lord speaks, and the first word that the Lord speaks about this person who's going to go out into the desert is, the Lord has grace.
0: I think a better word than obedience, generally speaking, is submission. You can be obedient but not fully submit. To fully submit to the instruction of God is to fully give yourself over and to fully trust the instruction. One can be grudgingly obedient and not fully give oneself over to the instruction. So submission encompasses obedience, but it's more than obedience. It doesn't reflect the Pauline teaching fully. Because you can be obedient in the way that Gandhi was obedient to the British, but that's not submission, not really. I want to be clear on that. We are talking about giving oneself over fully to God's instruction. Submission is the beginning and the end of everything in Scripture. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. They're still stuck on patrimony, dynasty, patriarchy. I mean, if you were a woman, we could say matriarchy. She's not, because that's not how the ancient world worked. So let's not go down that rabbit hole. I bring it up only to point out this isn't about picking sides in the gender wars. This is ultimately anti-anthropocentric. So here it's anti-patriarchy because men hold the power in this setting. So it's bringing down the house. They want to cling to their heroes, their champions, their kings, their priests. They want, as we hear in Ecclesiastes, their desire is for eternity. Olam alam. Eternity, though, is beyond our grasp. It's covered up. You can't pretend you have eternity by naming the next priest the same name. It's a hoax. So they're stuck in the mud with the wrong idea. They are not submitting because their priest, who they worship, didn't submit.
1: Precisely the neighbors and the kindred are the ones who say, there's no one among your kindred with that name. They want this child to remain in the tribe. That's why you have the names. That's why you have the family names is because they're family names, they're tribal names. They identify you as part of the tribe. And the tribal members, the clan members are there rejoicing, saying, hey, this child should be named after one of us. They want to establish themselves. And here's someone who's coming from the outside, this name coming from the outside. Who is this person coming from the outside? I love it because we know exactly where John spends most of the story. On the outside.
0: And they made and here here it comes, Richard, here it comes. The big Muppet scene. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. Every priest in the land should pay close attention to verse sixty-two. As my father, may he rest in peace, used to say about computers, garbage in, garbage out. If you stand on the omvone and make hand gestures to your people when the chips are down all they'll be able to do is make hand gestures right back and I have news for you even if you preach scripture there's a good chance you're still just going to get hand gestures back because scripture is very difficult nay it's impossible for people to accept it's impossible because who wants to accept a teaching that rejects them. I'm going to say it again because there's no way people teach this because you'll never attract visitors to your church by being this honest. Who wants to accept the teaching that out of the gate is condemning you and rejecting you and telling you that your only hope is to accept that there's no hope in you? no way no way that can never be accepted that can never be mainstream that can never be packaged and put on a shelf that can never be monetized and scaled it will without question undermine everything you try to do on your terms that's what happened to zacharias That's exactly what happened to Zacharias. As Paul says in Galatians, God is not mocked. Each man will reap what he sows. And Zacharias sowed Muppet gestures because he refused to regurgitate verbatim what he was instructed to regurgitate, and now he's getting hand gestures back in his face.
1: The basis of this verse is really strange, because Zechariah never had a problem hearing. Why didn't they just speak to him? Why were they making signs? Why were they gesturing to him? I think a good translation of this is gesturing. When Zechariah came out of the temple and was not allowed to speak, he had to make gestures, and now the people are making gestures back at him, which is strange because the reason why he was making gestures is because he was not allowed to speak, whereas obviously these people are perfectly capable of speaking. They don't know what they're saying, and they don't know the foolishness of what they're saying. But, Father, this is exactly the connection. The connection is as soon as he stops speaking we realize that there wasn't anything there for them to say. He stopped speaking because he disobeyed and the Lord wanted to make a point on his back. Sometimes the story doesn't explain exactly why is it that Mary was allowed to speak and Zecharias not allowed to speak. We don't have explicit why that's the case in the story, but we can come up with an understanding based on what the story is trying to say. And here we have the people who are trying to speak they're having to argue with the mother who is getting the word directly from Gabriel well indirectly from Gabriel through her husband but they still want to argue and if words don't work they're going to make gestures like what are they winking and nodding or something like this like trying to like elbow Zechariah into doing the right thing so Elizabeth doesn't see i mean it's strange but they've got nothing else she said no she's the mom There's only one person who can convince the mom that this shouldn't be the name. It's the dad, and they're going to do whatever they can because they don't have the words to convince them.
0: And here comes Ezekiel's cameo in the Gospel of Luke. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows, his name is John, and they were astonished. Why do I say this is Ezekiel's cameo? because Zacharias had only one job, if I can borrow from a recent episode of Father Paul's podcast, his only job was to burp. (laughs) That was the job of Ezekiel, that was the job of Jeremiah, it was the job of all of the prophets. Here's what you're supposed to say, now burp. Here's what you're supposed to say, Zacharias. And when you didn't say it, I closed your mouth and reduced you to making hand gestures like a six-year-old putting on a puppet show for his parents. And now that the moment has come, your only chance is to just regurgitate on a tablet in writing the words that I gave you to say. Period. That, my friends, is scripture. This whole story up until now has been an effort to beat Zacharias down into submission, and hopefully in the process to beat us down into submission with him, to wear us down into accepting that the only way we can do anything is not to contribute, not to add, not to be creative, not to invent, not to chip in, but to regurgitate what was given to us to regurgitate. Beyond that, just go enjoy your life under the sun with those around you. Big deal. Go read Ecclesiastes over and over again. I'm begging you for your sake. Read Ecclesiastes over and over again. You want to understand our podcast? Read Ecclesiastes over and over again. It works even in English. Believe me.
1: Elizabeth says he will be called John. Zechariah says his name is John. That's it. There's no argument. The people marveled. Now, based on Matthew and Mark, I always get nervous when the people marvel, because they usually marvel for the wrong reasons. The people are excited for whatever reason, or at least surprised. They are both, mother and father, going against what the tradition would be. They're going against what the clan would say. They're going against to identifying their child with the tribe. And notice, they don't try to convince. They don't say, the Lord wants him to be called this. The angel said we're supposed to call him this. They're not saying any of this. They just say, his name is John, that's it. I find it fascinating that they don't justify, because Luke could very well use this as a great platform for talking about obedience, but he doesn't do it. The way obedience is expressed in this passage is by eliminating words of Elizabeth and Zecharias, not adding them. There is no explanation. Mary had a great poem that she gave. It was beautiful, but here, very few words. The opposite of what Mary did.
0: Thanks very much, Dr. Benton. Thank you, Father. You've
1: just heard the Bible as literature.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bible as literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.